Welcome to the Brewery FM podcast hosted by Scott Hogue and Dan Usher, just two techies separated by a traffic jam, talking cloud, calendars, and technology. I'm a Siri Soundalike, and this is episode 30.5, recorded on September 24th, 2015. if it's 9 48 p.m i'll go to sleep when i want to that's the spirit i mean i'm glad you could get together for episode 50 of the brewery.fm podcast we're up to episode 50 that's pretty amazing i'm just gonna skip a couple numbers that's fair enough. no one will know the difference of course not no everybody already took it out of their podcatchers anyway mm. so you know i'd like to invite people back to the the show. Um, and I'd like to use Microsoft's uh, new garage toy called invite. Think it'll work. Uh, I don't know. It's mm, iPhone only and really doesn't play nice on the iPad. That that's a shame. Uh, might have to give it a go though for a week or two here on the iPhone just for jollies. Yeah. It's kind of like that office 365 groups app, which is also iPhone only. Very inconvenient. So I didn't know you were carrying around uh, Android these days. I am not. So therefore it's inconvenient? Yes. Well, you, you know, they keep tossing these apps out and they think people only use their phones. It's kind of the end of the world, you know. Not all of us are on phones all the time. I like to rock my tablet occasionally with split view and slide over things that have been around for a while but no i agree uh i'm i'm stuck in that same boat where it's uh not always having the right device at the right time so it would be nice if they would uh make a responsive app that would actually realize what device i'm on and you know build towards that maybe next time user voice once things get out of the garage mm. So it's been a while. Uh, I know we don't want to bore people too much, but any exciting things going on down your way? Mm, uh, Let's see. Exciting things going on down my way. Uh, Yeah, not a whole lot. I've been heads down on quite a bit of client stuff lately. I'm living in the wonderful world of SAML authentication and SharePoint and all the fun things that come along with that. So ADFS and search breaking and trying to, uh, you, you know, do that extranet, non-extranet thing and uh, all, all sorts of various weirdness going on. So uh, it's an interesting thing, but I'll be kind of glad when it's over and happy to go back to just regular Azure, regular SharePoint or uh, something that's not so crazy. Yeah, man, I, I totally hear you on that one. The times where we're pulled out of our element to go, uh, you know, work on identity stuff, just, uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I know you and I both have a thing for identity because it always tends to be that one thing that uh, folks kind of forget about. And then two years later, they're like, well, I deployed it using a MySQL database, LDAP, thingy and it works and you're like yeah and that's why nothing else works um but yeah when when we're pulled out of our element and just have to work those core infrastructure tasks it can can be a little monotonous i think that's what always draws us back to the world of sharepoint just uh 
you actually get to do a little bit of people interaction every so often, which for us as introverts, I know is a little strange. Yeah, it can be a little rough sometimes. Uh, we, we all adapt and, and make it work. I, you know, I know you're in the same boat I am where we're doing the consulting thing. So it's not even always being heads down and technical, but uh, you know, having the ability to get out there and talk to folks and discuss ideas and kind of just move things along. You know, there, there's days that we get down and technical, and then there's other times where, uh, you know, I feel like a glorified project manager without any of the project manager credentials. No, uh, no French benefits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not getting those PDUs like I'm supposed to. Mm, that's, that's a shame. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm kind of in the same world where it's often, like you mentioned, the world of consulting, which is cool at sometimes because you get to, uh, you know, uh, work more on, uh, I hate this term, uh, solutioning, which is great. But when you, when you look at it and you turn around and you go, Oh, what all has changed? Um, it, it uh, can be kind of painful to step back into the arena um, speaking of which I kind of giggled because I realized that, uh, I was getting lax on my Azure-tude, um, if that's a term, uh, when, you know, I went to go and do the little update for the, uh, point releases for the PowerShell commandlets and I realized, wow, I'm too behind, huh? So <laughs> yeah, that, that's yeah. awesome on my, on my personal machine when I do that and I go, <gasps> Uh-oh, what's going on? Yeah, wait until the next one drops because it should have the whole split of the modules for ASM and ARM. Mm-hmm. And that means there's going to be multiple versions sitting out in uh, things like WebPI. So when you go out there, you're going to have, you know, whatever they end up versioning it, it should be 0.9.9. Uh, you, you know, you'll have two versions of that, the, the legacy one, which doesn't have the split module and then the split module and uh, fun times ahead. You know, that that's probably on the horizon coming up pretty close because based on their typical uh, cadence of releasing dot releases, it's usually like two or three weeks and we're up to 14 days since the last release. So would not be surprised if, uh, if we see dot nine nine or dot nine dot nine come out here shortly, um, for anybody that is new to the show or uh, has never really decided to go back and listen to the old shows, uh, bless you. Um, back, I guess earlier this summer, uh, the Azure team had a little kerfuffle. I'm just going to keep using that word. It's just so easy. Um, they had a little kerfuffle come up where, uh, Basically, somebody said, hey, Azure team, why, oh, why do you guys do something differently than every other set of PowerShell commandlets out there where you tell us to switch modes, depending on which part of the uh, API set we want to use, whether it be the Azure Service Management APIs or the Azure Resource Management APIs. And surprisingly, after I think it was like, what, three or four days of just kind of Q&A back and forth between Azure product group folks and just some, uh, you know, friendly citizens in the Azure uh, township, if you want to call it that, out on GitHub, uh, they had a little discourse and all of a sudden, boom, the product group came back and said, you know what, 
you're right. Uh, we should deprecate the switch Azure mode commandlet. Uh, or excuse me, um, not commandlet, but uh, you know, get rid of that um, whole idea and just switch over to two separate uh, APIs that are split out. And yeah, so it'll it'll be nice to see the tools actually work the way they should. Um, I personally, I think it's kind of funny that uh, this has been around for as long as it has, and it didn't gain enough magn- uh, you know, momentum uh, moving forward. But hopefully, uh, we'll start to see in, I guess, .9.9 some goodness. Yeah, taking a look at the wiki, the kind of notational date they have in there is September 25th. So let's see, we're recording on September 24th. So if everything comes together... Uh, they would have it out by the end of tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, they haven't been updating the Wix files and everything else like you'd normally see moving in. Uh, so maybe early next week or late next week, we'll start to see that movement in the repo, and then uh, the release will follow that, and everything will be hunky-dory, and people will be moving along, having a grand old time. Yeah, in the wiki, there's a line item in there in the, uh, I guess, third little section uh, the results of changes in the very last line, uh, bullet, they've got content on azure.com, MSDN, and others need update prior to 10.1.2015. So that is just somewhere around AzureCon, uh, which means, you know, hopefully they'll be showing off some of this stuff maybe at AzureCon. Uh, I don't think so. I haven't seen anything like that on the docket. Surprise sessions, Scott. They're the, they're the rage these days. Yeah. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, they do have a session in there uh, on Azure for IT implementers, uh, but that's going to be from Mark Rusinovich, so that'll probably have some really cool uh, Linux-y type things and, and other stuff going on. Uh, let's see. What else do they got? Uh, best practices. No, nobody cares about that crap. Uh, processing, <laughs> increased productivity, SQL database. Yeah, I see nothing on Azure PowerShell in the Azure Con lineup. So, uh, that's on the 29th next week. So we'll see how uh, we'll, we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, for those of you that aren't too familiar with Azure Con, uh, it is a Microsoft conference that is purely online um like scott well no one would be familiar with it because it's brand new well i mean they've they've done things similar to this in the past where the product group said hey everybody you guys could should go do this in the community um you're right they, they haven't done azure con per se but they've done other like visual studio events that have a heavy focus on azure um, nobody watches the visual studio stuff that's all developery uh, so do you know Sidney Andrews? Nope. Uh, he helped write, um, what did he help write? Uh, I think he helped write one of the books. So Michael Washam, I think wrote the 532 material. I think Sydney helped with the 533, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, so Sydney Andrews, um, he's totally into those. And I remember, uh, happened to, bump into him and I think uh you know oddly enough um there was a computer nearby and we tuned in to watch uh one session so it was good to just uh you know kind of catch up and hear what's going on with the Microsoft stuff from the Visual Studio group live I think it was 
when they were over in India doing a Visual Studio conference over there, that uh, they were broadcasting content uh, similar in fashion where pretty much you had the opportunity to go and uh, tune into whichever breakout session that you wanted, which I think is kind of a cool idea. Um, I'm sure all this stuff uh, after the fact will be out on Channel 9 for anybody that's uh, curious and perhaps didn't get to watch the episodes they wanted to watch. Yeah, I, I'm sure they'll release it all out, like you said, and, and have it out there and ready to go. Yep. In fact, it's all probably pre-recorded, and they're going to be out at uh, some other place. I don't know. <laughs> some other place that you don't know about. Well, though. I mean, <laughs> maybe they're in Orlando hanging out, uh, getting ready for a Live 360 conference. Uh, that one's still a ways off, you know. Slides aren't even due yet. That's a good point. So, um, <laughs> loose transition. Uh, in terms of other stuff going on, do you want to do you want to stick to the notes that we kind of haven't updated in a long time? Nah, I think this is going just fine. You're talking, and I'm updating. Fair enough. Uh, so, other things that have gone on this past week. Um, all right, wow, that was this week. Uh, so back on Tuesday of this week, uh, Office 2016 was released. Um, it was released through the Office 365 portal. So if you're an Office 365 subscriber, you could go run out and grab it, pick it up. Well, not really. Um, you basically were repointing, I guess, uh, your click-to-run deployment tool um, to pull down the Office 2016 bits instead of the Office 2013 bits. So the delivery mechanism is pretty fabulous in that regard uh, that you can go do that. And I believe they also put out the deployment tool update uh, for 2016 for you to be able to do that on premises as well. The The funny thing about that, of course, is that unless you had an MSDN license, you can't really deploy it on premises yet because they said, oh, well, volume licensing is going to be later. So yeah, they're working on it. True. You know, they, they, they got a couple things in the pipe. They'll figure it all out eventually. True. The other, the other thing they put out there, of course, was, uh, I think it was a month or two ago, they put out the final release bits or the, uh, final version of office 2016 for Mac on office 365. Um, so now you can actually buy that as a standalone purchase option, uh, no longer do you have to have that Office 365 subscription. But if you look at the numbers, I mean, yes. Yeah, you mean Office 2015, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's actually labeled as Office 2016 for Mac. Yeah, but it's version 15. Yeah, I know. Uh, and, you know, it, it's closer in UI, perhaps, to what is out there for the Windows side. But uh, from a capability perspective, it's not quite parity yet. Um, is what it is. Uh, some other interesting things that came along with that, of course, uh, the groups app, I guess was also released, um, for good old, uh, iOS devices, like you mentioned. So if you're not familiar with groups, it's, uh, an experience that is on top of the office 365 platform, excuse me while I swallow, um, which effectively gives you kind of the, you know, the ability to stand up and quickly operate and not have to go through your regular, I, regular IT channels. So um, one of the things that I always noticed was interesting, maybe not interesting, but just kind of the, the thing we always found, and I think you probably saw this as well, 
uh, is when you'd go to an organization and they would say, yeah, we stood up SharePoint, but we didn't put too much governance around it. Um, but it spread like wildfire virally. Um, people were just using it. And then we ran into problems because we didn't have governance in place. And so then over the past couple of years, we see organizations clamping down on governance and it almost makes the tool set unusable. So that happy medium, where does that exist? Uh, so Microsoft, they said, you know what? We've got this Office 365 platform. Let's build this experience uh, that allows folks to do things in a viral manner, but still have some technical governance in the back end. Um, so the groups allows you to go quickly, stand up those public or private teams, but they're not team sites, sort of. Uh, and they've got that shared inbox. They've got the calendar. They've got the cloud storage available to them for files. So it's like a document library. It makes use of the document libraries uh, that you usually provision for like SharePoint. And then it's got the inbox and calendar that you'd usually have like with an exchange mail resource box. And add on to that, you get a OneNote notebook and all of it. So uh, it's interesting. It's an experience. And it's something that you can access through Outlook 2016. Also through the web, um, through OWA or Outlook on the web, I guess. It's no longer OWA, uh, as well as through your OneDrive for Business, which interestingly enough has been recently skinned. Um, so there are all these new things, widgets and whatnot coming on the Office 365 side of the house. Uh, but the groups piece now also has the ability for at least the iOS users to take it on the road with them. Uh, Interestingly enough, this article also says Android and Windows Phone. I haven't validated if that's true or not. Uh, yeah, so you can go to groups.outlook.com, and that'll fire up and has the links to all of the different apps and the stores they're in. So Android and Windows Store are up today for that as well. Cool. That's fantastic. Um, did you... Uh... I thought it was interesting also as a part of this release, um, they made mention of two other things while they made mention of two things that I could not really care too much about, which were the real time co-authoring, uh, which they've had in the web app since 2013 and, uh, Skype for business available in client apps. And I could have sworn I saw an update for someone on Twitter had uh, something like a Skype for Business iOS app link. Is that is that true? So there is a Skype for Business for iOS, but it was it's still in preview. It's not on the public app store, at least as far as I know. Uh, so you have to have your tenant admin go in and sign up for it, and uh, you know do all that fun stuff. Uh, there is a, a little bit of a paper that was put out on Skype for Business for iOS uh, out on the uh, MS Download Center. So we can certainly include a link to that uh, in ye old show notes. But other than that, I, I haven't played with it. Uh, you know, Mostly I'm tied into my work account these days. I don't have too much going on in my test tenants. And it's enough of a pain to you know go and turn some of that stuff on and play with it with fake data and everything to make it work that sometimes it's worth just waiting for the uh, real thing to pop up. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. I, um, I think I, I seriously don't remember who it was. It said that on Twitter, but I guess because it was a Microsoft link that they were probably pointing at that document. And of course, if I do a search right now on the iOS store, 
no Skype for Business. So yeah, if we can include that uh, that link to the uh, Skype for Business iOS bit, that would be interesting to some folks, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's just some architecture kind of stuff. You know, hey, here's what's coming. Blah blah blah. Yada yada yada. All that all that good junk. Still link. Um, the other two pretty cool things that uh, they put in that uh, Office 2016 release article, though, were the Office 365 Planner and Gig Jam. So I was down at uh, World Partner Conference back in Orlando in July, and let me tell you, it was hot. Uh, not quite as hot as Australia, but I, I felt like I was melting. So, yeah. Um, and that's where they showed off Gig Jam, which was pretty darn cool. And the fact that you could, you know, take data sources and just drop them onto like a, a canvas and then start sharing those resources, specifically different parts of the resources uh, to different users. So very cool technology. Hopefully some point down the road uh, that will be a little bit more open. Um, it would not surprise me if this was similar to the, is it the Dell Organization Insights uh, if that went with like, you know, a special skew just because it's, to me, it's way above and beyond what any three users should be expecting out of the box, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. Well, so gig jam is all private preview. Now it's not actually scheduled for release until sometime next year. Yep. And it's all kind of ethereal what's going on with it because it comes out of, um, a slightly different group. So Gig Jam is being led by Microsoft's ambient computing team. So it's not something that, you know, comes straight out of office or something else. Uh, and I don't know much about what that team does. Most of the articles I've seen just say, uh, yeah, ambient computing team, we don't know what they do because they haven't released a product yet. Uh, and focus is ambient computing stuff uh you know whatever that ends up being so uh you know folks can take that for what it is ambient computing it sounds like something uh sean mcdonough would be into yeah a little bit of ambient chill gig jam yep no the uh you're right they they announced it they said hey it's in private preview um I still look at it and go, wow, that's really cool. So hopefully hopefully we'll see something that's more real than just uh, what they showed off at World Partner Conference and what they showed off uh, in their little video on their blog post back on 13 July. Um, but the one that uh, is coming soon to an Office 365 tenant near you that has first release turned on is the Office 365 Planner. Um, to me... This is uh, Microsoft basically going all in on the use of, uh, what do we call, um, what would you call this, Scott? Oh, that's right, uh, social collaboration and Office Graph. So No, 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 you, you got it wrong. You would call this a Trello clone that has ties into <laughs> Office 365 groups and, and some other things. Like, you know, I, uh, if you read through some of these posts, like Gig Jam, I can get, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something like Planner, though, it's like, well, you've already got Delve, and you can already pin things to boards, and you can already do stuff there. Like, uh, is this just another MVP thing that, you know, hey, we went for a minimum viable product, and guess what? It's going to be, once again, minimally viable once we release it, and then it's going to sit there and, and do whatever and churn. 
like I, you know, I don't know. I see like all this stuff coming down the pipe. It's like you guys have so many other things you could be working on. Like, uh, you know, the the Yammer Group story, like that's still not sealed up, and it's not going to be done until sometime next year. They're saying, like, why is it taking a year to integrate Yammer Groups in when we're still releasing all these other new products and everything else? It, it, it's all part of that fatigue thing. So. I think the uh, the only thing that is added in that's a nicety for Planner is the ability to, uh, and this is just me, um, the ability to actually have your My Tasks be a filter for it, um, where you can actually see visualization charts that are associated with what the statuses of those tasks are. Now, the caveat is, is that, again, is this something that's really targeted at the end user? Maybe. Uh, is this something that's targeted at like the project manager, perhaps, that wants to be able to see what his team is doing? Sure. Maybe he should be using the appropriate tool instead of trying to copy, like you mentioned, Trello. Um, maybe he should actually be using the appropriate tool set, like Visual Studio Online, if it's developer group, because otherwise I... Yeah, I'm not totally on board with this yet, but I think it couldn't hurt to at least give it a whirl. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens and what goes on with it. It's uh, so like even some of that stuff though, I'm I'm always eternally confused about, you know, because we we've got things like tasks in SharePoint Online, and we've got tasks in Project Online, and we've got tasks in Outlook and. Uh, someday we'll probably have tasks from Wonderlist or some other acquisition that they've made. So like when you look at Planner and they're like, and they just say, oh, you know, it tracks tasks. Awesome. Tasks from where? Like, is that going to be everything? Is it going to be something? Uh, it, you know, every, there's just so much going on. Everybody's going to, you know, going to have to take some time and step back and figure out what it is this stuff actually does. Uh, and I, I don't know how it goes for some of the organizations you work with. Uh, but I know quite a few who just see the Office 365 stuff and they go, ooh, new shiny. And they never take the time to think about what's it doing, what's it going to mean. Uh, hey, now that this is out, you know, should we stop using this other tool? Should we keep using this one? Uh, you, you know, there's not much thought that goes into it from the consumer side of things, or I, I guess from the consumption side. You know, quite often people are just going out there and kind of flipping things and turning things on. And then, you know, let's be honest, like the admin experience isn't always that great when they release this stuff. You know, they'll throw something like Planner out and there won't be many IT controls around it because, hey, that's the MO and that's how they do things. So that's fine. But, it, you know, it's just another one of those confusing things to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too old for this stuff. Uh, no, I mean, I agree with you. I think there is a lot of confusion around this just because, you know, we introduced, uh, organization insights and while that's just rolling out, everybody's getting sort of giddy about it. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, folks are just starting to get used to the microsites that you can kind of build out inside of office 365 and they're just getting used to delve and throwing this in there. And it's just kind of like change fatigue. So I personally, uh, I liked what 2013 brought to the table and giving you that aggregated uh, view of all your tasks and your MySite. Or your oh, you mind. mean the one that they took away? 
Well, they took away the ability to sync to it. They didn't take it away necessarily. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, they, they broke one of the best parts of it. Right. So yeah, that was, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. I think uh, it would have been nice to have allowed that to stay in place. Um, the fact that it is going down towards more of this uh, uh, social collaboration, Trello-esque, Delve, Office Graph, conglomeration experience i'm not a huge fan of because while uh, while we definitely see people using apps more and more um, i think we still also see people having to go offline and you know, not have mobile service with them uh, or have really crappy mobile service because their starbucks still uses uh, at&t wi-fi instead of you know google so uh, Personally, I wish they had left what was there in there. Would have been great. Um, we'll see how this pans out. Uh, there's always next year. There we'll is. have something new and shiny to distract all of us. Yep, that's true. Um, so I think the only, I mean, the only last thing that I kind of wanted to, uh, you know, toss out there is really that invite uh, app that they threw out there. And again, you know, it's similar to the other app that got thrown out recently, uh, which is really uh, Send, right? So Send, for those of you that didn't play with it, um, was effectively a little app that ran on top of uh, your mail server to allow you to send really short messages as though they were chat conversations through email. Um, Neat, kind of, sort of got distracting when I actually opened up my real mailbox because they weren't all like segregated off somewhere. Um, yeah, not the greatest thing in the world. So this invite app, um, I may or may not try it out. Uh, but again, it runs on top of your office 365 tenant. So it's going in and, uh, basically allowing you to do calendaring with everybody similar to, uh, how you would do calendaring anyways. Um, so this is, I guess, Ooh, their attempt. not really. You, you're totally selling it wrong. Am I? Well, I, I guess I look at it. Um, it's more people talk about the ability not to see others' calendars outside of my organization, right? Right. You got that. So I this this reminds me of a couple other apps that I've seen um, that are not tied necessarily just to iOS and they're not tied to my office 365 account, um, where it can go out and just suggest times. Right. So, so this is more about, you're not even going to send out an invite. You're going to say, I want to have a meeting and this is the group of persons that I would like to have a meeting with. And that group of persons gets an email which they respond back to with the times that they are available. And then it's your job as the person who sent the invite to figure out, you know, what all that means and everything else. So it's, it's this weird disconnection of, uh, or between your calendar and, you know, the things you see versus the things you can't. So, you know, depending on the audience and how big your meetings are, like this could be helpful. It could not be helpful. Um, I use something called uh, Calendly. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but um, it's one of those websites where you put your availability into the website. Um, so, you know, you'd say, I'd like to meet this week between Monday and Wednesday. 
And then everybody gets a custom link and they go to that website and they say they, they all kind of click the times that they want to link uh, or that they can meet and you put it all back together on the other side. So uh, ho I'm hoping they add something like that eventually because I can see it getting pretty messy. You know, I, uh, you know, when you hop into these like 30 person meetings and like this isn't going to be too useful for that. But if you only got to get a couple of folks together. Uh, you know, it's it's worth throwing it out there and, and seeing what it can do, uh, especially if they're not within your organization. But uh, until they have some of that like component, like a Calendly or something like that, uh, it's it's kind of tough to get everybody to buy into it and be able to use it for larger audiences, I think. So I think I'm going to give it a whirl and I'm going to see just how well it works. Um, I will report back next week as to how many uh, meetings I'm actually able to schedule using Invite. You know, we could try it, and we could try and actually like schedule the podcast or something. Yeah, we, we could do that. Maybe. We, we could, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we should, we should just record next Saturday. <laughs> let's do it. Live. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I could see it being useful in some instances. You're right. But I could also see it being a pain in the butt. Um, and like I mentioned, and I think like you just mentioned, there are other tools out there that folks have already built that seem to work well. So. Um, and according to this, uh, it does work with any email it doesn't require to use office 365 but it works best if you use office 365 correct uh, yeah well that goes back to it's not actually doing a calendar type thing like it's not sending a proper invite or anything until everybody kind of picks their time and that's been reconciled so you know you're going to get some better integrations by tying it into an office 365 account cuz then it'll have access to your uh, your exchange online calendar and things like that versus just going into your Gmail account and saying, Hey, send emails. I think just despite it, I'm going to try and use it with Gmail. Yeah, that'll get you, uh, you know, I've been trying it while I'm sitting here and it's just spitting at the sign in screen. Worked for me. Well, as long as it works on your machine. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what it is. Um, so we did get one request, uh, to discuss, <clears throat> you can laugh at me about this, uh, to discuss how to properly use Yammer. <laughs> What's Yammer? Uh, oh, dude, this is precious. When I go to that, uh, link that the invite app sends me. I get a server error in application. That's all right. I'm still waiting to sign in. It'll be done eventually. Never. Wow, this is like not good. Yeah, I think their yeah. I think their web page is down. Must authenticate. Uh, what's my password? Uh, I don't think you set up a password. Sacrificial chickens one. Got it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I use all the time too. Yeah. 
so yes, uh, we digress. Uh, Yammer, what, what's going on with Yammer? Uh, so, a friend of mine was kind of curious about what our thoughts were with regard to Yammer, um, primarily because they uh, have been he well the person he she it uh, recently joined a company that uses Yammer quite heavily. And, uh, for myself, I kind of giggled because I was like, well, yeah, it could be exciting at first, but then you'll probably want to, yeah, I can't say this otherwise we'll have to edit it. Uh, but you know, there's times where we just get frustrated with Yammer because folks, unfortunately still don't know how to use basic social collaboration. Um, whether that means they go out and they see, oh, look, I'm getting these notification emails. I should respond to each and every one of them. Uh, and they forget to put the two dashes above their signature line. And so then we get this huge signature line uh, as a part of their wondrous um, uh, message that shows back up in Yammer and a thread, which I guess is okay, but it's just annoying to look at. Um, especially when it's like a two word response and then a 12 line, uh, you know, signature that shows up in a web page with broken links back to an image that's embedded in the email they sent. Um, so you, you've gone off on a bit of a tangent because that's not what Yammer is used for. That's how Yammer is misused because people haven't been trained. Okay. So what is Yammer supposed to be used for? Uh, really it's at least from everything that I've found, it's supposed to be used for project collaboration and knowledge management repository. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, Yammer is supposed to be used for, uh, they have a tagline for it, right? It's uh, work like a network. Is that it? Work like a network. Let's see. Uh, enterprise social work like a network. Yeah, that's totally it. They have a video all about how to make things work like a network. And if you watch that video, Yammer makes complete sense to you. Interesting. Interesting. No? Uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, project collaboration. That's a good one. Uh, what about, like, company announcements? Would you ever do that on Yammer? Um... Yes and no. I would say yes if and only if the entirety of the organization understood, you know, what uh, how to properly use them, um, as well as the organization, whoever's putting out those notifications, um, if they want it to be working like a network, uh, not just posting something and then not reading the replies or engaging the replies. Ooh. Wow, you're asking for a lot there. Well, I, you can't tell me that I'm wrong on this because one of the biggest frustrations that I find with folks that use Yammer is uh, for their like for their overarching organization is when uh, they see you know a note pop up from the powers that be, so to speak, um, but then. 50 people from the organization reply back and say, Hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? And then it's just crickets and it's kind of the, well, if we're going to use this, we really need to use this. Uh, not just, Hey, we're going to post and run. 
So, so again, we're back to kind of like training or having a plan to uh, implement this tool, right? Like, like, what are we going to do with it? Do we want Yammer to be our primary file storage mechanism? Uh, do we want Yammer to be about project collaboration? Do we want it to be about uh, maybe business unit collaboration? Or like, do we want to focus it on cross-functional teams? Uh, and a lot of those things fall under the moniker of Office 365 Groups or the, or the way that's being pushed right now. And Groups has zero integration to Yammer, so we've always got to be mindful of what's going on there, or at least until the second half of next year. So only another eight months away, uh, you know, to, to see what's happening on that side. But, uh, you know, Yammer's a tough one, right? It's like any other tool. Uh, you know, you've got to decide what it's used for. You have to evangelize it and uh, push it out there in, in the proper ways. I know uh, within my organization, we get a lot of pushback from uh, folks who are just used to things like the old uh, distribution lists that are running around for our developers and some of our like internal consultant networks and things like that. It's Hey guys, uh, why don't you go over to Yammer and ask this question? And you know, usually you get the cheeky response, uh, "Yammer, oh yeah, I've heard of that thing. I think I went over there once to log in." Um, okay, well, I'm gonna say our adoption really isn't great when everybody just jokes about the fact that uh, you, you know it's sitting over there and and it's ready to go. So uh, you know, I think one of the biggest failings I see with Yammer implementations is nobody really has a plan going into it. Uh, you know, they've either uh, gone in with the horrible assumption that Yammer is like Facebook for the enterprise. Um, if that was the case, you should just use Facebook for work and be done with it. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a little different and it has some oddities and some other things going to it. Uh, but it can definitely be great for, uh, you know, like you said, those those quick kind of one-off focused scenarios, as long as that's laid out and you know communicated to everybody ahead of time, and then you've got to have somebody around to massage it and you know feed it and water it and keep it going because uh, you know it's like anything else; it's not going to do well without a little bit of governance and somebody uh, you know following up and making sure that hey, we're actually following the rules of that work. And uh, did you know that? Uh, you know, we have such and such network policy or this posting policy or, hey, these files don't belong over here. You really should put them over here and maybe put a link to that file. And yes, we know it's a pain, but, uh, you know, that's just the way our business does things. Yeah, I, I guess I'm slightly jaded just because I see a lot of folks not uh, properly implement it or they do what a lot of people do with technology projects where they throw something out there, they say, ha ha, look, I've done, you know, this magnificent thing that's going to bring enterprise collaboration and then walk off without actually doing anything to help with that governance side of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah like everything else we talk about, it always comes out to uh, having a plan, right? <laughs> and then once you have the plan, stick to that plan and, Hopefully you make it all work. Quite true. No, mind blown. Uh, no, I mean it's it's similar to ninety five percent of the technology projects you and I work is 
it's always it's always the devil in the details of oh we want to do this really special snowflake thing or hey we have this organizational problem and we think this tool will fix it so yeah so i I guess what are some cases where you maybe would implement yammer for an organization like if you're just going to go in and look for are, are you looking for specific business cases or uh, drivers to push people that way? Or is it more about just sitting back and seeing how that organization congeals? And, uh, you know, you know, we've said we don't want to throw it out there and just kind of let it figure itself out. So that, that can be a little tough too, right? Yeah, I guess uh, for the most part in terms of Yammer, uh, there are a lot of times where, you know, we'll be reaching out to organizations and uh, I find this, you know, also with just talking with folks at like the SharePoint user groups where uh, after the fact we'll be chatting and they'll be like, yeah, we were trying to do this thing where we were trying to make it so people could have dynamic conversations around certain topics and their communities inside their workplace and uh, we went and we built these special web parts and we imp- implemented them or we went and built this app that integrates into SharePoint to do this. And, you know, I scratch my head and I go, if you already own the licenses, why aren't you using this? I mean, that's what it's built for. It's there to have conversations and it's there to, you know, have that repository that you can have information stored about a certain topic in a community And they go, oh, I'd never thought to use that for that. Or uh, one of the things that I think gets overlooked more often than not is the ability to have external networks. So uh, something that isn't necessarily tied to someone's uh, email address. Um, So uh, at least up until recently, and maybe even now recently, um, I haven't poked at it too much, but um, you if you were going to set up a user account um, within a Yammer network, you had to have an email address that was a part of like that domain uh, suffix. So whether that be like psconfig.com or spdelta.com, you had to have an email address that was in that namespace. So in this case, um, the external networks, you can actually just invite anybody in. It doesn't matter what their email address is. They still have to set up a Yammer account, um, and it belongs then to that network as the parent of that account, which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, but you know, you don't necessarily, you're not bound to just single organizations. So one thing I've seen that work really well for is if you have a group of people that you're trying to get together and you don't feel like having to email things out continually and you don't have licensing for say SharePoint, um, using Yammer with an external network to set something up where you can post documents, you can have conversations and that's all you need. So works pretty well there. Um, so, you know, it really depends on, again, what the requirement is, what an organization is trying to do and maybe what they have available to them. Maybe they just want to use freemium Yammer and let their information be owned by Microsoft. (laughs) Ah, wouldn't we all love to do that? Um, you know, one thing I'd put out there is uh, Microsoft does offer a ton of documentation around ways that they think organizations can be successful. So 
if anybody's ever seen the uh, some of the uh, like Discover SharePoint content, which is now all rolled into the Office 365 Success Center. Uh, we used to have the Yammer Success Center. That's been rolled over and is part of the uh, Office Success Center now as well. But there, there is a thing called the Yammer Customer Success Program. Uh, folks can go out and acquire materials around how to be successful with Yammer or really how to implement it within an organization and be successful. So, uh, you know, you have things like checklists for uh, here's the things that we should do when we set up a network. You know, should we set a network policy up? Uh, how do we want to have administration, things like that? And maybe we want to create a, a Yammer 101 group to have our very first group there. And, you know, we should encourage everybody to join that because that's where we'll put out tips and tricks and training for, uh, you know, how to use this tool once you're in there and you can come and ask questions and, and move along and uh, generally figure out how to use these tools the way that we'd like them to be used. So, you know, there are resources out there and everybody doesn't kind of need to be, feel like they've been left in the dark uh, you know, they've, they've just got to go out and consume some materials and, and do some reading, basically read the manual. Yeah. So if you had to, if you had to say you had one pet peeve about uh, how users engage Yammer, what would it be? Uh, my biggest pet peeve is users that refuse to engage Yammer. Uh, so, so, you know, back to that earlier scenario, when you talk to somebody and they go, ha yeah, Yammer, I've heard of that thing, but no, I'm not going to go over there. I'm still going to post to the distribution list or whatever else, you know, there's uh, a little bit of the knowledge management side of me kicks in. It's like, well, we're, we're going to lose all that data eventually because now it's no, a new person can't come in and they can't go back and read that and figure out what. Like, oh, hey, we, you know, we've already solved this problem X number of times. And, uh, you know, it wasn't documented any place. It's not in a wiki. It's in some old project file or something else. You know, it's like, I, you know, I see stuff like that and, and it, just all the lost knowledge that comes from it and stuff like that kills me. Um, and, you know, I've tried to go back and do things, uh, you know, even with uh, within the organization I'm in, you know, sometimes... Uh, I will actively encourage developers or others when we have a conversation that comes to a good end or, you know, we actually figure something out along the way, then let's go back and replicate that whole thing over in Yammer so it's there for everybody else. But then, of course, the problem is nobody ever goes over there later to look it up and realize it's there. So I wish more people would actually give it a chance. Yeah, I... I'm on board with you on that one. I guess my pet peeve is more, uh, folks that, uh, run down that path of, uh, and and this is almost, uh, this one is comparable to me is the reply all chains that we have on email sometimes where someone will post a question that's like, Hey, where can I pick up office supplies? And then undoubtedly uh, folks will respond as though they're the first person responding, whether it's because they haven't taken the time to press the little button that says expand conversation or uh, because they're using email and they see it at the very bottom of their queue and they're not using conversations for threading 
and they reply to it and they go, ha ha, here's your answer. And it's like, really dude. Okay. Um, so those, I know it's a pet peeve and I know it's just something that's stupid and I shouldn't let it get to me and reacting to things is hundred percent yourself and not the other person. Uh, but it always just, it's like that little, you know, thorn in the side where you're going, come on, look at the conversation. Don't reply if it's already been answered. So, yeah, it's some of that big R, little R stuff, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, let's, let's be appropriate and redirect the conversation in the right way. And, uh, you know, that's a carryover from poor email etiquette and that's a whole nother story. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, so I know we're getting close to time. Uh, you think you're, uh, you think you're going to see an iPhone six S plus tomorrow? Uh, hopefully I've got a success plus and a success on order. So it looks like they're Ooh. sitting up in Philly at the moment. Hmm. We'll see what happens. So I, I noticed, uh, at least for myself, I did see that the, truck from the apple store or whatever you want to call it uh in louisville kentucky left at about 4 11 p.m so somewhere between kentucky louisville kentucky and here there is a 18 wheeler um ups driven that's probably filled full of iphone 6 and 6s pluses so well, I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, real time follow up. I'm still sitting in Philly, so if the Pope gets in my way, he and I are gonna have words. Uh, I thought he was in New York right now. I don't know. Was he doing DC, then New York, and then Philly? Uh, I can't keep up. Uh, yeah. So I he... I skipped the Pope 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 in DC this week. So yeah, don't good choice. Know. Good choice. He, uh, I believe, he is in JFK in New York right now. Um, and then I think he goes down to Philadelphia tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. Uh, I think Saturday. Uh, so I don't think he got tickets to the Eagles game, but he is going to be down there, uh, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, you know, I live in the DC area and it was phenomenal to just see, uh, everyone getting excited, uh, about the Pope being here and don't get me wrong. I think it's phenomenal as well. Um, I know you and I had chatted about how there's like a press corps of 7,000 following him, and it's just like, Whoa, that's intense. Um, the, uh, the thing that of course was funny to me, and I think you may have heard this as well through, uh, friends at work up here and just Twitter, um, is that it was highly encouraged to either a take Metro really good idea or B, uh, to avoid the DC Metro and all, uh, so as to not be stuck in like road closures and things along those lines. Um, for some folks though, like it was hilarious to see Facebook posts and Twitter posts and whatnot of folks being like, can the Pope come more often? My traffic commute was cut by half an hour. Um, just because so many people weren't going into the district and clogging the roads up. Um, but at the same time, I think Monday, uh, there was a fire, I think on Metro and then Tuesday there was a power outage on one line. So it's been a mess from like mass transit. Um, there, you probably saw this as well. Uh, the Facebook posts and whatnot for change.org that were please bless our Metro, um, which I thought was a clever use. So 
I don't know. I, I still think uh, New York City probably has the best uh, metro system and, you know, the train system and whatnot. But it's uh, been cool to know that he was uh, here in the D.C. area. If he gets in the way of you and your phone, I'm sorry. He was here, but now he's gone. Yeah, at about uh, whenever he left uh, today, I guess, when did he leave? Uh, yeah, so he, he left around 4 o'clock today. Yeah, the traffic definitely all of a sudden popped up like nobody's business because the Pope's gone. We got to clog the roads up. So, Well, you, you got to keep in mind, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a weird thing. So I know the, the government's getting ready maybe for a possible shutdown and furloughs and people looking at that, but uh, they basically went telework you know a lot of the agencies and things down in dc you know said don't even bother coming in uh just go ahead and stay home so uh you know that probably eased quite a bit of it as well and you know when you're on forced telework it's not the end of the world but then when that's over it's over and you got to hop back on the road and get back in there and do what they tell you to do true um i'm uh, i'm pretty excited about uh uh, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not, I'm not excited about any sort of shutdown, but, um, similar to yourself, I will probably stick to podcasts instead of the regular news because that tends to at least let me filter out the, uh, stuff in the local news that perhaps isn't always the healthiest for one's head. So. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully we both get our phones tomorrow and the Pope doesn't get in our way and, you know, nobody has to have words with them. True. Yeah. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up, uh, at least from my side. Is there any last things you want to cover real quick? Uh, I've got really not too much. Uh, let's see. That's uh, it, dude. Rock and roll. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Talk to you later. Cheerio, mate. <laughs>